Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Thank you so much for that ministry this morning. And I'm excited to preach to you today. We've been going through Psalm 23 for some weeks and uh, the message today is the third one in this. We're talking about having good holidays with the Good Shepherd is what we're talking about. And we've been looking at this uh, old poem written by David like 3,000 years ago, and it's been encouraging us that the way to have good holidays this year is not to hope or need a certain outcome or a certain set of details to come to pass, but rather to trust in the Good Shepherd. So I want to teach one verse to you today. Uh, as we're getting going here, I want to just read the scripture. So we're going to do a reading together. Uh, it's going to be men and women are going to read. We're going to put it on the screen. And uh, I'm going to ask you all to lean in, lest I have to embarrass somebody. Here we go. All right, we're going to read the whole Psalm 23, and then I want to teach one verse to you today. Ready? Put it on the screen. Come on. One, two, three. Come on, fellas. The Lord, my shepherd. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will Gusto. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jake. I want to teach uh, the third verse to you, the fourth verse today, that says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The first three verses of Psalm 23 are very positive and very Here's all the stuff you get when you're with the shepherd. It's calm waters. It's green pastures. It's a house by the beach. It's perfect, better, better, better. And then it takes this dramatic turn. And sometimes uh, life takes a dramatic turn. And, and uh, sometimes the weather takes a dramatic turn. I, as I was preparing, I was thinking of this. I found some of these really helpful. Uh, I don't know, November 11th, November 11th, 1911, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, uh, in one 24-hour period, the temperature changed from 83 degrees Fahrenheit to 17 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the record in our country, 66 degrees at the swing in one day. I, I like this one even better. Uh, December 12th, 1919, Amarillo, Texas. Uh, the weather didn't change that much, but it changed a lot faster. It went from 65 degrees Fahrenheit at lunchtime to one degree above zero at dinner time. One day. I've been to Amarillo, Texas once, never uh, would need to go there again. I've been... Uh, this, is my, this was actually my favorite one, though. January 22nd, 1943, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. At 7.30 a.m., it was measured four degrees below zero. 7.30 a.m. 7.32 a.m., it was measured 45 degrees. 
a 49-degree swing in a two-minute period. Scientists explain it like it was like a freezing cold bowl of water uh, had a steaming cup of hot water dumped into it, and the air was sloshing around to reach a medium temperature. That sounds crazy, even what we live with here. Huge changes can happen quickly, is the point of these little statistics. That life can uh, be really great with the shepherd. Like, Lord, oh man, I'm just so grateful. I'm just so thankful. Thanksgiving this year, I was just, oh, I was so pumped and things were going so great. And I'm just, oh, and then life can go just like this. Am I telling the truth? Life can go just like this. Am I telling the truth? Life can go just like this to where I'm riding high with the shepherd to where I'm all of a sudden like, I don't, what am I doing? What is happening? Where is this all going? And verse four uh, in this passage answers the question, what happens when the shepherd leads you somewhere you don't want to go? Because it's all well and good when the shepherd is leading you great places. It's all well and good when life is going the way that I planned, the way that I hoped, the way that I worked. But sometimes life doesn't go that way. What happens then? Everyone wants to follow the shepherd to green pastures and still waters and paths of righteousness. But what happens when the shepherd calls us to paths of pain, paths of suffering, paths of darkness? It's easy to identify as a sheep on the mountaintop. But I wonder today, can you still claim it in the valley? Whether you're in a valley this moment, just came out of one or see one on the horizon, every follower of Jesus knows, if they've been well taught and well studied, that Jesus promised, in this world, you will have trouble. So take heart, he said, because I have overcome the world. There's a faulty teaching that you can find in many places in the church today that suggests that if I just have enough faith and if I just have enough enthusiasm and if I just pray hard enough, then I'm promised good things coming my way. This is not what is the true reality of the scripture. We have a shepherd even when we have to go somewhere we don't want to go. That's what the verse that we're studying today says. Look at it again now through those eyes. Even though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death is the experience of thinking, I don't know if I can go any farther. There's many dangers for sheep everywhere, right? But specifically in a valley. In a valley, sheep can find a flooding river, an avalanche, a rock slide, a poisonous plant, a predator. The valley is dark. The valley is dangerous. And sometimes the shepherd takes us to a place that we don't want to go. Being in a valley of the shadow of death is a poetic way of saying, it's a place where I don't think I can go any farther. Like, I got to here, but like, I can't. Sometimes we get to, I can't go one more day in this job, in this marriage, in this problem, in this situation, in this thing. And what David promises uh, here is that when I, can't, when I feel like I can't go one more hour, uh, the presence of the shepherd, his presence brings power. It rhymed. I was pretty proud of that when I wrote it down. I am. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What does the next part say? Because I'm going to get the outcome I want, because if I'm just patient, I'm going to get the, it's going to go the way that I want, because um, it's all of a sudden, if I just, just kind of hope enough or pray the right prayer or say the right words or, or do the right thing, then I'm going to get the thing that I want. No, I, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The next part says, for you are with me. 
that the promise is the presence of God. When I feel like I can't go one more hour, his presence brings power. When I feel like I can't go another hour, his presence brings peace. When I feel like I can't go another hour, his presence brings perspective. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I go, I will fear no evil. Now, he's not talking about um, joking, like around kind of fears. You know, like people being like, oh, I'm afraid of spiders. The computer froze upstairs at one point there, and there was a picture of Jerry Seinfeld that went on the screen. I don't know. Uh, so I love that old joke of his that like um, people's number one fear actually isn't death. It's public speaking. Uh, second is death. So if, like, for most people, if they were at a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than being the one give the eulogy. So that was his joke. That's why he was supposed to go on the screen. Yeah, our brother Brian just gave us an example of that a moment ago. Uh, but, but I will fear no evil there, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Is not like that joking around kind of fear. Uh, my wife, Kristen, here is in the front row. She's a very brave person, but she just has like no, I mean, literally no capacity for mice or rats or like anything in that little family. It's like, um, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if we were in the middle of like Christmas dinner. If she heard one running, it would be like, you're off to Walmart and you're going to come back with like $400 worth of every kind of trap they have. We're going to get rid of this thing. But that's not like what she's like, like really afraid of, right? I think we know the difference between the joke fear or the... Like, this bothers me, and the stuff that even to bring to the mind. What if the money runs out? What if the kid never comes home? What if the business never finds its way out of this? What if that, that stuff? David is saying here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no Evil, I will fear no evil. No matter what the thing is, I'm not going to be afraid of it. Why? For you are with me. Notice that word there, with, for you are with me, is the idea of simply the presence is the thing that makes it different. Uh, our family is well. We're all at church today. We're thankful, but we've gone through a couple weeks here of alternating who was sick. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I see a few people grimacing around the room. I understand. And we have, um, I notice it with our five-year-old that uh, when she's sick, she is especially attentive to where her mother is at all times. And when she gets like just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, she wants to get like right by her. She wants to climb out. This is why moms inevitably always seem to get sick when the kids get sick, because she wants to wrap her arms around her. She wants to snuggle with her. She wants to get right by her, because there's something intuitive inside the child. Am I telling the truth? There's something intuitive inside the child that just makes me feel like, I don't know, like my body doesn't feel very good, but if I can just kind of like lean on mama, then it feels like things are a little better. There is something inherently powerful about the presence of the authority. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The problem is, for some of us, when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd is only with you in the valley, with his presence, if you choose to believe he's with you in the valley. And lots of people choose to walk through 
difficult medical challenges, relational difficulty, really, really deep, really, really deep stuff. And they choose to walk through it alone, not because God isn't there, but because they choose not to acknowledge his presence. There's something about pain that causes many people to isolate. Isolate. And in that isolation, we can sometimes choose to even isolate ourselves from the presence of God because the presence of God is only available to those who choose to see it, who choose to invite it, who choose to notice it, to choose, who choose to ask for it. This is why you can see people go through very difficult things at the same time with very different reactions or experiences. Because some people go through divorce with the shepherd right next to them and come out on the other side more filled with grace and more filled with faith and more filled with love and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Some people can go through the same exact circumstance but choose to go through it in a way that doesn't acknowledge the presence of the shepherd, and then they just come out the other side bitter, 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 angry, bitter, angry, bitter, angry. And people are tempted, and we are tempted as people, to look at the circumstance as the thing that decides what the person is like at the end of it. But you just got to walk a little bit of life and notice it a little bit more. Am I telling the truth? That the circumstance isn't the thing that decides how the person is doing. Am I I telling the truth around the room? Am I telling the truth? That the thing that decides how you're doing before, during, and after walking through the valley of the shadow of death is how much you choose to put yourself next to the shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice also, I, I missed that when we were walking through it. Notice the certainty of that. David doesn't say, like, if by chance, by accident, you end up walking through the valley of the shadow of death, there's this certainty to it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Then he adds just this little part on at the end. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. An ancient shepherd uh, carried two tools to do their work. The rod, which is... uh, about shoulder height, and it's just like a, a, a really well-made, carved-out walking stick. And then a staff, which is a good bit taller than a person's head, and that's the one that kind of has the curve on the end. The rod and the staff. The rod is used for correction. Ancient shepherds would get so good at throwing that thing, like a spear, like a javelin, that it could hit a predator. It could knock something out of the way. It could be thrown at a sheep if a sheep was getting out of line or several sheeps. I guess the plural is also sheep, okay. Uh, That was the rod. And then the staff is used more for comfort. Uh, The shepherd, the ancient shepherd, would get very adept at reaching out with this long uh, staff and picking up a sheep and pulling it with that little curved part and kind of nurturing them along, helping them be on the path. The rod and the staff, David describes in Psalm 23, he says that they're both components of comfort. And they're both components of comfort that are used as part of this idea that the shepherd is with the sheep even through the valley of the shadow of death. First, the rod. The rod is used for protection and correction. It's correction. It's this sort of, I wrote it down this way, the shepherd loves you so much, he doesn't just protect you, that means keeps you safe. He also corrects you, which means 
pushes you back on path when you've gone the wrong direction. Uh, we live in a day and time that doesn't have a lot of space for the idea of discipline. We're kind of taught, and most people are young people are taught as they're coming into parenting today, and for sure schools are run this way, that like, do whatever you want, as long as you don't ever tell one of the kids they're doing the wrong thing. There's this pressure to accept behavior from everyone because correction is somehow wrong. That's the way our society works today. Uh, but the biblical idea is, is very different. You can find these all over the Proverbs. Uh, I wrote two of them down. These are from the Bible. One of them says, the rod of correction... Uh, the rod of correction that will drive evil far from your child. There's another proverb that says, he who spares the rod, this is the same word that's used in Psalm 23, hates his son. I'm not talking about the obvious place that correction can turn to abuse. That's not what we're talking about. But there is something to the shepherd loving the sheep so much that he is willing, when you're on the wrong path, to smack you in the way that you need it and a way that is to help you, not to hurt you, to get you right on the right path again. The shepherd loves you so much, he doesn't just protect you, he corrects you also. How does God use the rod to correct us? One, he, uh, he corrects the direction, he corrects our aim. God has a way of using circumstances to push us back a different direction than we thought we were going to go. And we experience it in real time sometimes. It's like, how did I not get that job? I know I aced the interview. Why didn't that relationship work out? I thought we had so much chemistry. Why didn't that thing pan out the way that I want? And sometimes with a little space, we can look back at it and see that God was correcting us by pushing us away from something that wouldn't have actually helped us. It would have hurt us. I could tell some stories about that, about my life. Maybe you could too. The rod also corrects us by uh, bringing secret sin out into the light. I was a youth pastor uh, for a lot of years, and I would just laugh at the hilarious little collection of circumstances that would often find how teenagers' nonsense, nonsense would come in to the awareness of their parents. And you would laugh to yourself and say, how on earth? Wait, what? they texted their mom instead of their friend Molly, to say, I'll meet you there at 2 a.m., and that's how they found out. And you'd be like, how could a person be so? But over time, I came to see it. It was, it's God's doing that because he loves us. And one of the ways that God loves us is he doesn't let us dwell in the secrets that are hurting us for too long. Our secret sin is hurting us, even if we don't realize it. My grandmother, uh, she's with the Lord now, used to, her, like her favorite Bible verse was, be sure your sin will find you out. She used to say that to us all the time. Be sure your sin will find it. Now, she had a different, you know, she was a little more old school. So she had a little, def like her definition of that kind of sin was like, you know, watching TV on the Sabbath or, or like playing with playing cards was like the kind of sins she was thinking of. Okay, maybe that doesn't make any sense to you. Anyways, she, my grandmother used to love to say, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. What was the point? The point was that God loves us enough that he doesn't want our foolish choices to stay unnoticed for too long, he brings it out into the light. God uses the rod to correct us. He also uses the staff to protect us. I said it the opposite way. Now the shepherd doesn't, he loves you so much, he doesn't just correct you, he also protects you. 
David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's how I know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid of the evil because you're with me. God uses the staff to draw the sheep together, to bring a timid or shy sheep close, to guide sheep when they're having trouble figuring out what direction to go. The shepherd in 3,000 years ago used his tools the same way the good shepherd uses them today to help us get the directions that we need to go. He doesn't just have that kind of like aggressive, disciplinarian, you're afraid of them kind of personality. The shepherd also desires relationship and intimacy with the sheep. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're almost at the end now. Uh, the way that we view, I think often, the way that we view God and the way that we view authority that often has a lot to do with uh, the parents that we had when we were young and the, maybe the kind of church experience you had when you were a young person. It has a lot to do with our, the way that we're able to in a really good, healthy way, understand the correction and the protection that the shepherd brings to us. I was thinking about it uh, the other night. I was, uh, my boys were all playing basketball, and uh, they had a practice at my old high school, friend high school down the street here in Palatine, and I was dropping them off, and as I walked into the gym, I kind of looked across as they were getting ready to start their practice. Another practice was ending, and uh, my old uh, high school basketball coach, this guy named Bob Wodlowski, he was my basketball coach like 20 years ago, and he's still the coach. And I was dropping the boys off, and we were on time, and I literally saw him, and I was like. And I just got this like pit in my stomach, and I got nervous, and I like started like looking around like, am I, am I wearing the right, am I doing the right, am I doing this? Like all happened, like one, two, three, this involuntary reaction, because there was a time in my life in like 2001 or 2002 where making this guy happy was the only thing that mattered really to me in the world because if I made this guy happy, then I was going to get to play in the games and shoot the ball and do all the stuff that was like at that point in time. You remember when you were like young and you just had that one focus or that one thing and making this guy happy was like the only thing that mattered to me in the world. And 20 years later, I just walked into a room that he was in and got like involuntarily nervous. My palms, I'm getting nervous, right? It's happening. I'm getting like dry mouth right now just thinking about it. He was a great guy. I had a great experience. Why? Because there's something about um, what we think about authority or the experience that we have with the person in power in our life has a huge effect on the way that we move through the next thing. I could give more examples about what it was like if you had a dad who sometimes drank too much and came home and if you heard that door slam and what that makes you feel like even now just thinking about it. If you, if you had a boss who got you into one of those things where you were treated badly, but somehow you were stuck in the job. And that messes with our ability, all of this, messes with our ability to look at the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep and to see that his proximity to us doesn't bring stress or frustration or worry or fear, or I got to match up, or I got to be just perfect. No, proximity to his power brings peace. So many of us had the experience that if the boss, the coach, the dad, the 
person, maybe it was your mom, whatever the thing was, if they get close, it usually means things get more challenging or more difficult or more frustrating or more uncertain. But when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if I keep proximity to the good shepherd, I am not guaranteed better circumstances, but I am guaranteed peace to walk through those circumstances. I'm guaranteed that no matter what happens this Christmas, maybe I'm banking on a bonus that I'm hoping I'm going to get, or I'm banking on like this relationship with this person working itself out, or whatever. I don't know. I could reach around for a long time in that, but if I'm banking on circumstances going the way I want them to, I'm likely to have a very unpeaceful and frustrated holiday. But if what I'm banking on is the truth that because the good shepherd is with me, not in front of me or behind me or above me or below me, he's right here with me, then I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be worried, stressed, overwhelmed, spinning out all the time about whatever it is that's ahead because I know he's with me. Real simple truth today. But I want to just invite you now to bow your head and to try to just pull that close. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're not... uh, we're not going to sing today, but I do want to give us an opportunity to respond. I just want to give you a moment. Would you just write this moment, gather up whatever valley you're walking through? And would you just bring it right to the front of your mind? And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to identify uh, yourself as someone walking through a valley. And I just want to pray a special prayer for you. Anybody in the room today willing to just say, uh, I'm in a valley right now. I'm in a valley right now. I'm not on the other side of one, and I'm not looking at one. I'm in a valley right now. If that's you, I would love the chance to pray for you, especially maybe you could just real quietly stand right to your feet right this second, and I would love the chance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm in a valley right this second. I already told you, I don't have any, like, we don't have easy answers, but what we do have is we have access to the God who has all the answers, the God who owns it all, the God who knows it all, the God who wants to rush upon you with his presence right now. I'm going to pray in just a second, but I want to just wait here. Anybody else who would say, yeah, honestly, I just, yeah, honestly, I'm in a valley right now. If that's you, why don't you just stand to your feet right this moment? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Lord, I'm asking uh, 
on the authority of your word as we've read this morning and on the experience that I've had that you are a good God who loves his children. God, would you rush upon each person now who is willing to say I'm in a valley, would you rush upon them with your presence right now? I'm not asking, Lord, for uh, the easy emotional stuff. That's, that's okay, too. But, Lord, would you just come right towards them right now with a renewed sense of strength and a renewed sense of power and a renewed sense of awareness that you are with them? No, more dif- no differently than my words can be heard right now with our ears. Your presence is with us in this valley. And Lord, I would love it if you would change their circumstances and I believe you're going to do amazing things. But for today, what I'm praying for more than that is the strength to believe that you're there with them right now. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. And we know that we have access to you. I pray, Lord, as we draw near to you, your word, as your word says, would you draw near to us? Overwhelm them, Lord, now with the strength. We can make it. We can keep walking. Another step, another step, another step, another step. Nothing to be afraid of in your love, Lord. Nothing to be afraid of. I pray for each person here. I pray that you would be with them in your power. And I pray it in Jesus' name, all around the room, would you stand to your feet as you say amen. Amen. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Amen. 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 This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.